If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, the blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. And then when the ambulance arrived, I carried on to the meeting. And when I got there, I apologised for being late, only to find out that actually I'd arrived early. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be um, chatting with Susan Starkey a little bit later. It's a fun chat. We had to do that one on a Sunday. Of course, she's across the pond, as they say. Uh, but of course, before we get into all that, we've got the one and only, and I'm bringing it out of retirement because they came out of retirement. Graham, we got short, short shorts. shorts Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? It's like summer here, buddy. Yeah. And the short shorts are not that short. And then they're just not baggy cargo pants, cargo shorts. Cause I can't stand those anymore. They're pretty short. They're not that short. I like short shorts. It's okay. Okay, we'll release the video and we'll see what they think. Oh boy. No, really though? Yeah, of course. Why not? You're going to release the video? I thought, see, I should have checked with Brody because I thought you were just taking a upper portion of us, not the whole body. I thought I asked you that. Oh, Graham, Graham's triggered about that. Yeah, he's seen yeah. the short shorts and he was like beside himself. Get up. Whoops. I don't know why you'd wear them if. Uh... I would have needed a different. So I wouldn't have been able to get, get the wide. I could edit it down. We could edit it down. We're not going to. Yep. No, the short shorts. Can you just trim you it down? No, you can you just no, trim, don't it? trim it down. You can see the calves and everything. It's perfect. Yeah, people, it's perfect. People eat that shit up. People, people eat those calves up. Yeah, but I'm, I am getting a little chubby. So what have you been up to? We'll lose weight. What have you been up to? I almost got, a, I almost got hit by a fucking crazy driver oh, the other I day. Yeah, I thought... I made a note because I really do think we should talk about it on the show. Yeah, let's hear it. Because it's just, it was a weird experience. It was a, a Talking weird- Talking your mic too. It was a weird morning on my way to work. Normal, you know, normal drive to work. And uh, finally there's no snow or ice on the ground or anything like that. But you know, Calgary's got gravel all over the, all over the uh, roads from all the- crap they throw down after the snow right That's so right. it's full of gravel and stuff so anyways i'm going over this driving over this bridge to work the new bridge yeah the new overpass. like 80 clicks normal speed like uh, i go the speed limit on that road because Isn't it's full it of traffic and no, no it's 80. Do they it's, dump it up to 80 now well, I jump think it it's up 80. i'm not yeah, sure is it 80 okay, okay yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah because it was 50 for a long <clears throat> time so yeah. uh so i see i'm almost at the end of the bridge and i see this car speeding up behind me like i'm like what the fuck is this guy doing flying past me like and and we're coming over the edge of the bridge and there's sometimes there's a lot of cars parked at that stop stoplight almost right? always i would say no, no sometimes it's morning? fairly clear Is yeah it? sometimes it's fairly clear so there's a light at the end of the bridge and i'm like where's this guy gonna go and i pull over a slightly to, to just because i'm and i'm just watching in fascination this guy 
coming over and realizing there's a whole bunch of cars there and there's and the cars in front of him haven't even reached the, the stoplight yet and he starts swerving back and forth and skidding in the gravel and he smokes the car's rear end uh, like as he's spinning around it's like right of the movies spinning around and he smokes the car I think that guy saw him coming and tried to get out of the way because obviously he would have heard the screeching and the thing from, from behind. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, just hit the guy, rolled, tumbled, boom, 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 boom. And then I was still driving and I'm thinking he might even just roll and, and tumble and hit me. So I pulled over and... So this is all in your rear view mirror you're seeing? This? No, right in front of me. Right in front of me. He passed me. And then boom. And then skid. You think it was an assassination attempt? <laughs> Did you pay the assassin? That you tried to get to assassinate me? Is he coming after you for non-payment now? No, he was definitely the guy had no no mm. recollection of me at all. I I got out along with some other people, and I gave the guy. I wanted to give the guy who got hit his my information because I witnessed it. Yeah, yeah. And then he, the guy was already out of the car, even though it was rolled, the car was rolling and he was cut up and his knee was cut up and he just looked out of it. And then there was a, a lady kneeling beside him. Like, I, I wasn't even sure if I should stop or not. Get out of there. Cause man. I don't want to be like, your car next. and it sounded like he was in a, in a state about some girl or something. I heard him say, no, she this or that or something, but I don't know. But he was, and then cars were passing then after this accident scene and they were like, that guy was driving like an idiot. This bus driver was flipping out on him. You're driving like an idiot, weaving in and out of people. And wow, it was crazy. Crazy morning. Is yeah. that six in the morning? Six forty. Six forty. Nice. Yeah. Hell of a way to start the day. Yeah. Like this, a crazy driver rolling his car in front of me. It was like right out of the movies. There you have it. So did you say you have some mail for us? Oh, oh yeah. Hang on a sec. Get out a pen and paper and write this down. Or a pencil. Why don't you oh, wow. send Quite some physical mail to the Grimerica Show at P.O. Box 16033. Next line. Uh-huh. We're not on video video, are we right now? Oh, oh okay. Oops. So we're not live? Where's Next my line. knife gone? Canada. It over here. Next line. T2T space 5H7. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Cause he's got a dirty sock fetish. Why don't you send Graham some gold bowling? Cause he's got a gold bowling fetish. Send him some gold. Ooh, it's the new Lucid Knot Productions. Oh, nice. Lost bread found. Wow, look at it. It's great. Yeah. There's two of them. Do I have a do I have a uh, camera I could send him some mail? That's from our That's weekly from our, artist, our buddy Nap. Nap, yeah. He does all of our art. Yeah, that's why we've got the uh, the best art. And I would argue, you know, no agenda likes to brag that uh, they have the best art. But I would. Uh, here's the first one, Brody. Of course, here's the first one. This is the first issue of Lost Bread. And it says there, hey, thank you so much for your continued support. It means a lot. From Napoleon. And of course, go to uh, patreon.com slash lucidnap and sign up there. And you can get one of these great books too. We do. You know, No Agenda thinks they have the best art. I don't know. I would challenge that. We got some of the best art in the in the yep. podcast. Yep. Nap, I would nap say. is awesome. 
And uh, also for hire. So if any of you guys oh, like yeah, the yeah. art and you're thinking you'd like, you need some art, um, head over to. Actually, the, 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 the link the, is always, always in, in our show notes. notes. Yeah. This is. Uh, well, we should say it too right now while we're saying it. Head yeah, over yeah, to, what is it? Lost Bread. There's no note in this. It just no, says. So patreon.com slash lucid nap for sure. What is this? And then the website is uh, lostbreadcomic.com. Yeah, it's from Rare DVDs. It says D-N-D-I-A-D-N. D-N-D. D-N-D. I think this is a fucking snuff movie or some shit. Do you have a DVD player on that thing? No. Oh. I don't I have one I do. either. I, I don't do. have one. Do. Pop it in there. See what happens. Should I right now on the on the show or? It's there's yeah. no letter in here. There's nothing. It just says. Does it say D and D as in Dungeons know. and Dragons? No. Ooh, that could be good. No, it doesn't. Well, it kind of does. D and D I. D &D. No, D and D isn't D and D. And ampersand. Yeah, ampersand D. Yeah. Well, some people. Okay. That's true. Let's see. No, huh? Pass me something else. It's probably going to just wreck my computer yeah, right now. So should something pop up? Or I don't know what's going to happen. Pass me some more mail. Is there more mail to open? Yeah, man. This I is love, a box. from. All. This is from our buddy uh, in Victoria again, the salt dude. Ooh. Ooh, this we is read the wet his, salt? We read his email. Oh, I forgot. I didn't bring the wet salt. I'm saving that I knew you were going to try and steal that. But that's the book on the salt. And then there's. I think there's a note in there for us. So we should have him on the show. Actually, we should. He seems very knowledgeable about stuff. Where do you fall on, like, horse, horse salt? Like, Are horse these, salt? Uh, yeah, he sent us some mixers? Wow. Is there a note? There is a note. Oh, I love notes. So he sent us some keychains and a mixer. Oh, I got an Ogopogo keychain. Some tooth... <laughs> And tooth then the book, let me just talk about the tooth book too. polishing powder. He's got some toothpaste, some strong teeth and gums, turmeric and cacao toothpaste. Mine's spearmint flavor. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, I got, the, the book is Sea Salt's Hidden Powers, The Biological Action of All Ocean Minerals on Body and Mind by Jacques Delangre, the PhD. So, okay. So here we got page one. Hey guys, follow up parcel. To the last salt plus human device, which is on right now. Which is not charged. Oh, did it die? <laughs> oh. That's good. Okay. And Schumann device. Enclosed is a book, as pro I promised, on that salt. Graham stole the salt. So can you send more salt? No, 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 no. I'll, 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 I'll uh, you give me some? I'll divide okay. it up for you. This one a little salt. Actually, it. you know what? I stole the honey. I'll cut it with so. like, table salt. Okay. <laughs> Plus two water vortexers that need oh, two batteries, two Ogopogo keychains I got in Kelowna and had in storage, two great tooth powders, earth paste, makes me gag. They, episode 281, mention this exact one. I've used it for months. By the way, consider Philips Sonicare toothbrushes to avoid halt further dental issues. Costco? Question mark. It halted my issues. The spinners. Meant for frothing, etc. They can create a vortex in a glass, though. Neat to do, and why the hell not? 
Schauberger Vortexes on the cheap. Use these for fun and don't get ripped off. There is a measure, measurable charge at the tip. Next page. Just the tip. Page two of a, vor, of a vortex in water. <laughs> 11RC. <laughs> they charge a fortune for dumb little tap-end spinners vortexes. Sorry about the sloppy printing. By the way, extra bee pollen info on the other side of page. Nick. Also, zero water filter units at London Drugs are a decent cheap starter. Comes with a digital tester. And here we have some information on bee pollen. Yeah. I think you just used it to write on mostly, but thank you, Nick. Awesome. I'm going to start using this tooth powder right away. We got our new issue of Lost Bread. Wow. Bio Box pays off big time this week, eh? Yep. I have a question about this. Yeah, talking to the mic if you have a question. This uh, this teeth and gum stuff. It says polishing tooth powder, but then it also says disclaimer: this may stain your toothbrush, dental work, braces, and other surfaces. Well, of course, but except not your teeth, though. Hopefully, yeah, I guess it doesn't say teeth. It just says dental work. So, I have, what, what so if my teeth so are like, basically all dental work? <laughs> then then you'll get yellow patches because turmeric's yellow, right? So, oh wait, it'll put a yellow patch on my caps. Yeah, on all your dental work. Well, it didn't say all your dental work, but... Well, no, it just says dental work. Braces and other surfaces. And but he... other surfaces. That's like yeah. everything else, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's just a big disclaimer, yeah. 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 No, I just I thought it was funny. But I'm super interested in this like natural toothpaste kind of stuff. I, I, I haven't even been using toothpaste for like over a month. I've just been yeah. brushing my teeth like regular. That's what I've been doing now. Like just yeah. with water. Yeah. And I do use the mouthwash because it's good yeah. for the gums. But yeah. like the, every time I was using the toothpaste, like I swear it was giving me gut problems. Wow. Even though I wasn't swallowing it and I'm super good about rinsing it out. Like I have IBS. So like I already have yeah. stomach problems. Yeah. And yeah. It seems to make it worse. Yeah. That's interesting. So. Yeah. yeah, I use uh, that uh, Super Blue a little bit. I'm going to use it all up, even though people don't think it's uh, decent. It's that uh, Infowars toothpaste. Yeah. And then I'm going to get onto this fresh stuff, and then I'm going to get onto, I'm going to find my old uh, my old one that I have, too, that's natural that needs to be used up. But nice. yeah, I haven't been drink, or doing the fluoride toothbrushing for a while. There you go. So he also wrote a nice email afterwards as well, just to build on it a little bit. He says, what about just simply throwing some good vibes into whatever water you have? Dr. Emoto shows that, plus our massive, unlimited natural psi powers that should equal a physical device, right? Plus cheaper. In addition, you might want to throw a magnet up to it, the north pole of the magnet or south pole, which is good for people. One is people, one is plants. I forget which is which. Info can be found online. So he sent us a bunch of stuff on Rex Research. And then uh, he talked about a bit about Oregon as well. And, of course, he mentioned that that... Not sure about the one with the embedded in, uh, what did he say? Oh, <laughs> the resin pyramids. That's the ones That's the ones I have. I have two of those. Oh, we have one in the studio here. This one? Yeah, that one. Yeah, he's not sure about that. What's, I, I agree. It's but not working? Whatever. Yeah, it might be. It might be? Mm-hmm. We need one that fucking works, bro. Or is that what the resonator does? The Schumann resonator. No, they're different. <sighs> Yeah, he talked about, uh, oh, the deadly organ radiation. That's interesting. Well, Door. what the fuck, man? We, you double whamming us in here, Graham? 
with your inexperience. Yeah. I want to trust you on this kind of stuff. Don't let me down. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Just kidding. I'm sure we're fine. I trust you. Thanks, buddy. You don't trust him? I haven't known him long enough. You're going to go C-setting with him in fucking a month and you and you don't trust him? Do you know what C-setting involves? No. Well, I, trust, I trust him as much as I trust anyone. You trust me more than him at least? Ah, yes. See that, Graham? Trust me more than you. I trust I trust Graham as much as I trust anyone else, which is trust. Trust everyone. Down and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. That's your cue to do the profound UFO quote of the week. Okay. All right, buddy. No problem. I'll bring that up. I was a top secret control officer. I happened to see a classified message go through my comm communication center, which said a UFO has crashed on the island of Spitsbergen, Norway, and a team of scientists are coming to investigate it. That was U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Dwayne Arneson, page, that's the disclosure project, page 176, I believe. There you have it. Yeah. Here's a synchro. I was watching the Greg Carlwood one about how THC has been suspended, now banned actually, by, really? by YouTube's freedom now of banned, speech. Now that's, banned, what I, like, that's what like, I've seen on Twitter, yeah. Like since since we had him on? Yeah. It's changed to ban? Oh, yeah. Wow. Of course. Uh, so yeah, I was watching the Greg Carlwood one about how THC has been suspended by YouTube's freedom of speech hating censorship algorithm. And when I tried to leave this content... YouTube censor, censorship strikes again. If you can't beat them, ban them. I couldn't because the YouTube took the video down. Laughing. That's from Baron Von Tucklecat. Actually, Baron Von Tucklecat, I take the video down because we broadcast those black budget interviews for free live. And then a couple hours later, I take them down and upload them to our supporter page. Yeah. So we haven't quite been banned yet, have we? No, we don't even have any strikes. But I don't. Think you want to try gonna... get some strikes, like no. purposefully, and no, see how when it can happen. Like, we're not, no, we're not there just yet. Just monitor it, monitor it, and when. use it as no, a. No, 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 no. I'll tell you when you can get strikes. Yeah, we'd have to get bigger. I'll tell you when to get strikes. Why? What do you? What do you mean? What's just up your forget it. I'll let you know when we can get strikes. We don't have a big enough audience to get kicked off of YouTube yet. We could, but we we would be. We shouldn't yet. Yeah, we're not yeah. there yet. Fifty. I'll tell you when we're there. Fifty thousand. I love you guys and all the positive energy you put out to all. From Raymond's missing thumb. Hope he finds Raymond. These guys have turned me back to the nerd I was in high school. I can't even watch porn anymore since now I fiend for my Grimerica paraphernalia. From Mario Gardato. Wow. Here's our buddy Craig Flowers. Hey, it's been 72 episodes since my episode. Harriman's uh, theory is incomplete. 
Read the one theory that reconciles Harriman, Einstein's, and quantum mechanics. And of course, space uh, equals time. Yeah, by mass. that's his theory of everything. Go back to just Google Craig Flowers, Gramerica Craig Flowers. I can't remember the episode. Put the link in the show notes. Oh. The Craig Flowers up. So it'll be 83 minus 72. So it's going to be like episode 221. No. Yeah. 211. Bingo bango, mofos. That is my eloquent and articulate comment from the original Larry. Graham trying to do a Darren impression was hilarious. No, it wasn't. It It wasn't that hilarious. (laughs) Here in the States, the fastest I've ever driven a car is 112 miles per hour. Sounds a bit crazy. 135 sounds a bit crazy, but Canada probably has a lot of open road. We got, this is my favorite podcast. YouTube is not my normal consumption, but I love it and listen on Podcast Addict. I also subscribe to the Black Budget. I just had to donate because... I need the discussion and knowledge you two provide. I love the guest, but you guys are the real reason I listen and donate. Just wish I could do more. Thanks, Ben Ben Hen. And then he commented on another video later that day. Man, I love you guys. I love what you guys do so much, and you both inspire me. Darren more than Graham, because me and D-Ron have a a love of green. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) The devil's weed. You're the devil's weed. You watch it. You shut your mouth. Look, look what happened to Gandalf. True that. Of course, that black budget and that support those guys are telling us, telling you guys about, that is people have chosen to support our value for value model. Uh, we've to- cho- chosen to take the road of taking our 282 or 283 episodes we have out now and popping them all out there for free. Uh, no paywalls, no back catalogs, no all advertisements, free, no advertisements. That's it. It's free. And if you guys are listening to them and liking them and getting some value and you're enjoying the effort we put into the show, then head over to the grimerica.ca slash support page. Now sign up for a buck a month, at least, you know, there's weekly options, monthly options, yearly options, one-time options, Patreon, Patreon options. Uh, literally, you know, there's literally about 30 different ways on the page. You can support the show. And, uh, you know, there's also all the stuff in the show notes. Sending stuff to the P.O. Box? At the P.O. Box. Of course, the info for the P.O. Box is on the contact page. And uh, share the show, guys, if you can. If you like the show, share the show. Um, do whatever you can, because you're yeah. our only, uh, our only, only chance. Means, yeah, your only chance at the show happening. If you guys all stop doing what you're doing, then the show will just stop doing what it's doing. So we need yeah. you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, there's, like, there's expenses. I mean, and they're always growing list of expenses, fixed expenses and variable ones. And we'd like to have a plan and keep this thing going. That's right. Mofo. So your support helps. And there's what less than 1%. We're trying to get to 1% then 3% right now. It's still less than 1% of you that donate. And did you talk about the black budget feed? No. So yeah, mention that any donation at all gets you access to the black budget feed where we just had Greg Carlwood on, I believe was the last one. Great chat with him of the higher side chats. So yeah. we have some extra content in there sort of for our, for the people that support the show. Got a couple great episodes. There's also other ways to, to get that as well. You don't need to pay necessarily. You can send an email in and, and send a story or ask for the thing and we usually give it away. And also we're putting those live on YouTube as well so that, you know, it's not really a paywall thing. You can get it free via YouTube. And then Darren takes it down later and puts it in the black budget feed. Yep. Yeah, that's about it. That's Just about wanted to it. say that. Watch this live. 
Watch that's us it. live. So, yeah. Oh, so that's, so that's the thing. It. If you can't afford to support <clears throat> us, that then you can afford to go and tune in on time. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna rejig the newsletter to come out to notify when we're going live, which is usually every Wednesday. So, Wednesday, but keep yeah. an eye on it. Join the chats if you want to be notified. Uh, we do. We are just doing live more often now, almost every time, and then we're putting that same audio in the podcast format. But we might as well do it. We have the capability now. We kind of resisted it for a while, and uh, the newsletter is going to be a good way to to notify people. So sign up for the newsletter. Yep. And sorry, guys, this episode is a little short. Is that? Are you done already? I got some uh, well, stories. Oh, some stuff? stuff? Yeah, I got some stuff to read from listeners. Let's and... wrap. Let's, how about, let's do this. Let's wrap it up, and we'll release an, another episode. Because we're in studio Sunday, right? Yeah. So we'll do an intro Sunday. We'll pop an episode out next week. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, and then we got to prepare because you, we're going away yeah. for a bit. So we got to do. We got to also record a couple extra stuff episodes completely for a release. Yeah. We're in studio Saturday night and Sunday. Hang on. There's a couple. Can we just talk about the uh, how was Jamie Jan over? Did you like the chat? We yeah, had, it was we, good. We released a podcast yeah, with it was him. Great. Saw his four hour presentation. There's people in Denver. Uh, Salvatore was supposed to, is supposed to be. He's going to be in Denver. Is it Denver? Where he is? Yeah, Denver, Colorado. So yeah. on Sunday he's going to be in Denver, and we uh, it was a great presentation. You, you left uh, during during you missed the last half, but it was almost like a grime America. Like he kept talking about these people in the research and the people that we've had on the show it was like a five year summary of the stuff we've talked about in grime America. It Should've, was pretty cool, like that. Did you like <clears throat> clear your throat yeah. whenever? Yeah, I was like, <clears throat> Randall Carson, I was like, yeah. Grand America, America. <clears throat> episode 23. Uh, no, Jamie knocks it out of the park. And is that a bit of a synchro? He's episode 164. He brought up 64 so many times in that presentation. 264. Like, no, one, 164. 164. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 164, yeah, was, motherfucker. Yeah. 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 So anyways, yeah, that's, uh, if anybody has a chance to see Jamie... Um, check it out. Highly recommend it. Check yeah. out Nassim's work. Yeah, he's really come, I think he's come a long ways in the last couple of years uh, being able to talk about and teach uh, Nassim's work. Oh, yeah. He just nails it. He could just yeah. go nonstop. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. All right. That's about it, buddy. Thanks. Just right want to put that little plug in there. Yeah. Enjoy the chat with uh, Susan Starkey. So today we've got a rare daytime interview on a Sunday. Uh, we're talking to Susan Starkey all the way from Spain about her journey from skeptical about spiritualism to, uh, you know, belief in psychic abilities and stuff. And she's got a new book out called Life After Death Beyond Doubt, which is pretty much like the main question you always 
get when we're talking about these topics is what about life after death? So uh, we're going to talk to Susan about her book and her journey. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks for coming on. Well, I'm delighted to be talking to you today. And thank you for your patience because we have tried to do this twice now and the third time is a charm. We finally we finally uh, connected and got to chat with you. So uh, thanks yeah, for your patience. Yeah, as I said, third time lucky. So yeah. <laughs> it's great to be talking to you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, let's start at the, uh, at the beginning of... Um, of your journey, like we we've had this discussion with a lot of people who have sort of gone from skeptic to let's say believer, with, for a lack of a better term, really, or or at least just belief in something something greater. So, what was what was that like for you uh, that that switch? Well, I think if somebody had told me twenty years ago that I would be writing a book about life after death and the spirit world, I really would have sort of laughed at them and told them <laughs> not to be ridiculous because I, I really didn't sort of believe in life after death. I was um, a very practical, pragmatic, no nonsense sort of person, uh, and the experiences I've I've had since I moved to Spain and which I've written about in my book have been incredible, um, but. I think that my book is probably quite unique because I think there have been lots of books written about life after death. And a lot of people seem to claim that they've talked to the spirits, had uh, um, uh, experiences where they've been on an operating table and and died or had visits from the dead. But um, I think what my book does is it provides a different story uh, and it gives written proof from the spirit world that there is life after death. Ah. which I find quite incredible because I think, as I told you, um, I was very sceptical. Um, I didn't believe in life after death. And it was only when I was working in the in the UK and um, I was working in the city of London. And in fact, I was working for an investment bank uh, and I was involved in corporate PR and I was considered to be a very sort of tough negotiator, pragmatic and highly organized. And I thought I was actually totally in control of my life and my destiny. Uh, And then events took a a different turn. And the tragedy of 9-11 in the US involving the uh, Twin Towers made me question what all my life was about and why was I working such long hours and for what? Um, And so my second husband and I decided to drastically change our lives and move to Spain. And nothing had prepared me for the experiences and the life-changing events that would happen to me when I did move there uh, 11 years ago. Wow. So how... Tell us more about how 9-11 changed that. Like, did you, was it, was it, was it a, a f- sort of a fear thing or like a realization of vulnerability or was it, was it more about a conspiratorial take on like, let's get out of this rat race because, uh, well, th- things aren't as, as they seem, you know? I was sitting in a in a, a tower block in the in the centre of London and thinking this could have happened to me if they'd uh, decided to do it to London rather than the US. Yeah. And that is what really made us think, you know, what's life all about? Life is incredibly short, and we wanted to make the most of our lives, which is why we decided to make that uh, huge life changing decision and and move to Spain. Mm-hmm. What made you choose Spain? Uh, well, I did speak a little Spanish to uh, to start off with. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think that's probably what decided. My husband actually wanted to move to France, um, and we did look at a few places there originally. Um, but then we found the perfect place in Spain, and uh, we fell in love with the place and, and and moved here. And I haven't looked back ever since. Nice. <laughs> I don't know very but, much Spanish. You don't know Spanish. 
Well, I, 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 I can just about get by now, but I've still got an awful lot to learn. And the, the part of Andalusia in Spain where I live, um, it's very remote. It's way up in the mountains. There are very few uh, foreigners living here, which means that I do have to speak some Spanish. Uh, but the people are, are lovely, genuine, caring people. And, uh, and I just love my life here. But let me perhaps just explain um, how things started to change for me when I moved here. Uh, because I, I met some new friends and um, they'd been along to a spiritualist meeting. Okay. And for some particular reason, they were convinced that I should go along to the next meeting with them. Um, I don't know why, but I was intrigued by what they were saying. And um, at the same time, I sort of wondered what sort of nutter was running this um, spiritualist <laughs> meeting. Uh, and so curiosity ran, ran out. And um, I went along to one of the meetings and that uh, what was going to be a one-off meeting uh, turned out to be a series of meetings lasting, oh, well over four Four years, and the uh, the guy who was leading this spiritualist uh, group—it actually was called a circle—turned um, out to be George. And uh, from the start, I was really impressed with George because he wasn't what I was expecting. He was a kind, gentle, genuine person, and uh, I felt very privileged to have met him. And I was um, I was intrigued by what George was saying and uh, the meditations that he guided me into. But being the very practical, sceptical sort of person I was, I wondered whether my imaginations or whether the meditations weren't really just a case of me having a very overactive imagination. And I continued to be extremely sceptical for quite a while. So what kept you going back right away? Um, like him, his, his his genuineness and stuff, or just yes, I guess so, and and what he was talking about. Um, but as I say, I I was intrigued, but I remained sceptical. And then one particular day, I was going to a meeting, and I left home at the normal time, uh, took the normal route, and. As I was driving along, I came across a really nasty car accident. Uh, there was a car upside down on the road with a, a guy pinned underneath it. And I, I called the ambulance and waited with him for a good sort of 30 minutes. Uh, and then when the ambulance arrived, I carried on to the meeting. And when I got there, I apologized for being late, only to find out that actually I'd arrived early. And I, at that point, asked myself whether, in fact, the spirits had made time stand still for me so that I could arrive on time and not miss anything. And I think that was one of my first turning points when I started to question whether there really was something there, that maybe there was life after death and maybe there was a spirit world. Did that guy survive the crash? As far as I know, I didn't hear anything to the contrary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. So what? Um, so what tended to happen after after that first uh, first? Well, I I tended I t I I remained quite skeptical. I have to say, until one particular meeting, um, George asked us all to try our hands at something called automatic writing, which I don't know if you or your listeners know what automatic writing is. Um, but basically, we were given a pencil and a piece of paper and asked to put the point of the pencil on the paper and wait to see what happened. And almost immediately, I found my hand moving across the page of its own volition uh, in a completely different style to my own. 
a lot of it was completely indecipherable, but there was one word that kept repeating itself or it spelt slightly differently as it kept on repeating itself. And that was Eliphaly. And then at the end, the, the words were, do what you feel is right. Mm. Uh, and I was actually quite uh, gobsmacked by this. Uh, and I went home that evening and I, I tried my hand at uh, this automatic writing again and actually got a slightly more coherent message, which I've um, written about in my book uh, and which, if I may, I'd like to just quickly quote you. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, my hand guided me to write this. You will listen to me, Eliphaly, important within. Listen to what you hear. I am Eliphaly. I am your guide, and I will help you to see and hear. Listen to me. Just be yourself, and you will be placed in vision in what you do. I will be there, and so will others, to help you to see where you are going. I think you must listen to what we are saying to you. You will understand and you will learn. Listen to yourself. And I have to say, I still tended to be a little bit cynical. And so I wanted proof almost. Um, and as my automatic writing continued and I carried on talking to this spirit guide of mine called Eliphaly, I asked him to tell me about himself. Uh, because I wanted verifiable proof that there was something there. Right. And uh, he uh, guided my hand uh, and I wrote uh, that he'd had a life, a previous life living in Libya. And he told me that he lived in the south of Libya in the desert uh, near water. But most importantly, he told me uh, the name of the place where he used to live. And that was a place called Orbari. Uh, so I went home and I looked on the Internet and I couldn't find Orbari mentioned anywhere. So I don't know why, but I sent away for a, a detailed map of Libya. And uh, when it arrived and I looked in the index, there, were, where there was the place, Orbari. <laughs> and then when I found it on the map, sure enough, there it was in the south of Libya, in the desert, wow. by water. And in fact, when I was writing my book and I was sort of going back, verifying bits and pieces of information, I came across some photographs of the Obari lakes. And I can't tell you the sort of goosebumps that I felt on my skin, that this was the proof that I'd been waiting for. It was incredulous that I knew that there was something there because I was getting verifiable details from my spirit guide. And that was really the significant turning point for me because it gave me confidence in starting to believe the messages that I was receiving. And I think it was really at that point that I changed from being a complete skeptic to a true believer in life after death. Yeah, that's understandable. Especially, obviously, you didn't, you know, you weren't, uh, you don't think you had a subconscious knowledge of Obari and, and that Libya thing. And, and you didn't, you know, you search it on the internet and it's not even there. And then you see a physical map and that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, quite yeah. mind blowing because no, I, I'd never heard of Obari. I mean, I, I know very little about Libya. Yeah. Uh, and to find a, a very small place in the south where I wouldn't have expected there would be water in the desert. It was, it was mind blowing. Wow. Do you have any? Like a little oasis. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so what, to, do you have any questions about that, Darren? Or? No, I, I, I like, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was sort of just the definitive moment. 
It was. But then let me perhaps carry on and and tell you what else is uh, sort of included in my book, because having got confidence uh, in what Ellie Foley was telling me, um, he went on to tell me that I'd had a previous life living in Spain. And that it was no coincidence that I'd chosen to live where I do now in this part of a very remote part of Spain and that I should go up into the mountains and that high in the mountains, there was a small hut or small building with views all around it and that this would be where I would find myself. Um, and that I should look around to the east where I would see old buildings and that there was nobody living in that part of the countryside any longer. Well, there were goats and there were sheep. Um, And roughly at the same time, I had a vision of a ruined house set uh, high in the sky. So one particular Saturday morning, my husband and I decided that we'd um, try and find this uh, building And we set off up a very steep, um, precipitous pathway. And I suffer from vertigo. And it was horrendous. But we kept going for about an hour. And uh, we kept looking to the east. And we kept looking for ruined buildings. And we saw absolutely nothing. And uh, I stopped uh, and got my pen and paper out and consulted Eliphaly. And he basically wrote on a piece of paper that I was going in completely the wrong direction. Um, that I should go home and I should try again. So feeling a bit despondent, that's exactly what we did. But we were actually feeling quite thirsty. So we stopped off in a local bar. And incredibly, in that bar, there were old photographs on the walls of uh, ruined buildings in that area. And there was one particular photograph of a building that really closely matched the vision that I'd had, which was incredible. Did you ever find uh, it? Well, I did. Um, I wasn't going to give up. And a couple of weeks later, we decided to try an, another pathway. And uh, sure enough, uh, we uh, we found this uh, ruin, which was uh, incredible. And if I may, can I uh, also just sort of quote you from my book again? Yeah, oh, sure, uh, you Because um, standing outside this ruin in the most peaceful setting, this is what um, Eliphaly wrote. It is set. Oh no! Sorry, this is. I was. I was. I wanted before I found the ruin. Um, I went home and I asked him to uh, to help me find it. Uh, and I had a few more words from him, um, telling me about the ruin and that a young boy and a dog would be waiting for me. And this is what he wrote: It is set on green pastures with space around it. Some of the roof has collapsed and is in ruin. There is a young boy and a dog there waiting. They are playing outside the house. On the ground, there are many rocks and flowers. It is very peaceful, and this is where you lie. (laughs) This was your life here, and your soul will be awakened in the sun when you find your home. This is a journey that you must take, for it will give you freedom. Do not be afraid. You will help other souls find their way home when you find yourself. And so this is when I took another track and finally found uh, the house that so closely matched my vision. And again, I uh, I sat down with a pen and paper and and consulted Eliphaly. And he described to me my life that I'd lived there. 
Uh, and again, this is what uh, I wrote in my book. And you can actually see illustrations in my book of this automatic writing as well. Um, and it, it reads, you lived here many moons ago when there were only donkeys to carry you along the pathway. Your wife's name was Maria and your name was Pedro Juan. So I was a man in a previous life as well. Um, you will have visions of your life if you concentrate. Look at the fireplace and see Maria with a baby in her arms and a shawl around her head. She had long, dark hair, which you loved to stroke. Your firstborn caused great happiness and celebration, and you were very proud of yourself. You were only a young man yourself at 17 years, and your wife was 15. You had four children who lived. Sadly, three did not survive, as it was a harsh and difficult place with no doctors around. Maria used herbs from the land to cure ailments. She had a very good knowledge beyond her years of the powers of herbs. She also had great insight into our world, the one, to be, the one beyond yours. Your children used to ride on a cart pulled by the donkeys. They could only just fit on it and used to wave to you. On big occasions, you used to all visit the village for fiestas where you would dance and be merry. You can feel yourself standing on your land highlighted against the sky, looking to the mountains, looking to the future, which is now. Wow. Which was, yeah, mind-blowing again. Um, and I was quite shocked by, uh, by this discovery. So what was, the, uh, what and was, I was the feeling like going up to this place when you know that that's exactly what it looks like? And you're, I mean, besides the obvious, um, you know, synchronicity of it and hearing about all this, was there physical sensations or did you like... Did you feel any kind of energy there as well from from knowing it? No, just a, I guess a sort of shivering that I'd uh, I I always had this feeling that I'd come home, that I I knew this place, uh, and I just loved all the peacefulness around me, um, and could imagine having lived there. But I was so blown away that I um, wanted to find out who owned this ruin. Mm -hmm. And um, I sort of asked around and was amazed to find that, in fact, my nearest neighbor uh, was the person who owned this ruin, <laughs> uh, which was incredible. So I sort of plucked up courage um, one morning and went down to have a chat to her, bearing in mind she speaks no English and I have limited Spanish. Um, but she confirmed that her grandfather, Antonio, uh, was the last person to live there. And uh, Antonio was the name of my first son given to me by Elifoli. And uh, I asked myself whether, in fact, my neighbor was my great great granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. And her children and, my, and her grandchildren were, in fact, my long lost family, um, which, uh, you know, is quite mind blowing when you sort of think about it like that. But I, uh, I consulted Elifoli again. Um, uh, because I, I wanted to know a little bit more. And again, if I can just sort of quote you what he guided my hand to write, it mm. is a good idea to check records of who lived in your house so that you can learn about your family. The names of your children were Rosa, Luisa, Antonio, Pedro, Pepe, Juan and Maria. The names of your children who died were Pepe, Juan and Luisa. Antonio and Pedro 
continued to live in the house, but your two daughters married and went to live with their husbands. Antonio and Pedro had children, and their children had children as well. They are the ones that are still living. Yes, Antonio is your son, and your neighbor is your family. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so um, I, uh, I, I went back uh, to, um, to the ruin uh, with another circle member, uh, and I was looking for the uh, the dog and the young boy that Ellie Fully had promised me would be waiting there. And when I closed my eyes, sure enough, in my vision, I saw a young boy and a dog running towards, towards me in happiness. Um, and this obviously was my son in my previous life. And the three of us clung together and walked towards the sun, a vast bright light, which we disappeared into. And... Um, that was an amazing feeling. So um, I wanted to know more from Ellie Fully, uh, and I wanted to know more about the life that I'd uh, I'd led there. Uh, and again, um, he I'm just trying to find it in my book. He said, um, yes, you are looking and you are seeing your dog is very happy now that he has gone to the sun with you and your son. They have waited a long time for your return. Imagine what it was like when you lived here. There were many fruits to eat from the land, and you had many animals which you used to walk with. Sometimes, with your son Antonio, you were very happy together. This was your favourite child as he was your firstborn. Look to the right and see into the distance. This was the way you used to walk to your friends. There is so much peace for you here. Listen to the birds and their song. You can feel children around you and your father, who is getting very old. Feel the wind around your face in the sun and know that you have peace and happiness. Yes, this is where you are buried. And it is only you who are now feeling great sadness as you look out across your favourite view. You used to sit here for many hours just looking and listening to the birds and the water. Know that you have found yourself and can be released to carry on. And while I was um, I was talking to Elif, and my uh, my friend, my fellow circle member, was sitting quietly meditating, and she was able to tell me how I'd actually died, which was incredible. I'd um, apparently gone out early one morning to catch rabbit, and something had disturbed me, and I'd fallen into a ravine. And uh, I'd been unable to get out. And that is uh, how I died. Wow. You have a but I did know that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that that chapter in my previous life had been closed and that I could move on to uh, to new and and more incredible experiences. Well, do you still have vertigo? That's interesting that maybe that's why. Oh, uh, I do. In fact, it's probably got worse <laughs> as I get you, older. Yeah, I wonder if that, you know, falling into a ravine could cause some trauma in your next couple lives. That's too bad. Sometimes facing that, it goes away. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. Too bad that yeah, didn't work maybe. out for you. Yeah, maybe. I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah, maybe possibly it sort of followed me through my lives. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was actually thinking maybe if we could just cycle back real quick and just maybe give yeah. us a, a rundown of your, your process of your automatic writing for, for it, some yeah. of our listeners yeah, that gonna aren't familiar that with it. Yeah. What would you like to know? Like how, how you get into the state that you, that you can, you know, cause it's hard for me to imagine 
imagine like f- f- something flowing through me to and then just be able to like to write it out. So I, you must have to be in a relaxed state or like, how do you get into that? Like, what's your process yes, of getting I mean, into that? Obviously, that I have to be relaxed and I need to sort of clear my mind. Um, and then yeah, initially, I sort of closed my hand, my my eyes and my hand moved across the page. But um, latterly, I, I've watched my hand moving across the page. Uh, and I often think that I'm going to second guess what the next word is going to be. And uh, inevitably, it's... Um, it's a completely different word and uh, the construction of sentences and the way things are written are so totally different to the way uh, that I would write. Uh, it's uh, it's something I, it's very difficult to explain. My hand just writes of its, its own volition and its own accord. Um, and some of the words that come across are very flowery and, uh, and very eloquent um, and quite often uh, his spelling is, um, is sort of way off. Um, but just asking, you're asking me how it works. Um, generally speaking, the day before I want to communicate with my spirit guide, I, um, I tell him that I want to talk to him so that, um, well, if I've got a particular question, I also give him an advance notice as well so that he can uh, – well, think about how he's going to answer me, I guess. You give, um, him a, give him a heads up. That's like your corporate, uh, your old corporate world coming through, like yeah. sending it, sending an invite to your, your spirit guide. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it works and, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then there are other occasions where for no particular reason, I feel as if I need to sit down and put my pencil on paper and, uh, Eliphali uh, communicates with me. Um, but as I was saying, um, some of his prose is um, is so different from the way I would write. Uh, and there's one particular bit that uh, is, in fact, my husband's favourite. And I think it's, uh, it's a lovely piece of writing. Uh, and it, it reads, um, pitter-patter as you hear the sound of feet along the cobblestones. It is not the sound of humans' feet. It is a donkey finding his way to you to help you carry your burden of life. He has sturdy feet and baskets for your understanding. Let him help you take the strain. Keep writing and listening for the voices that you will hear and the bells that will ring out. So I, I guess it's not the same as channeling where, see, I was originally picturing like you'd hear the voice in your head and you'd be writing it down, but it, does it just go directly into your your hand like physically and you're writing it so you're not really like hearing the message well, it, it, or, or it's both it's both because i i watch my hand sort of moving across the page yeah. uh, and as the words are written i hear the words and as i say i almost start to try and second guess what is about to be written right. and inevitably i'm wrong and there's been so much more that's come out Um, It's been information that I wouldn't have known about that I've been able to verify. Um, And that, too, has sort of blown my mind. So I've had sort of verifiable information from this automatic writing that has convinced me that there is life after death. And I have to say, if I hadn't had verifiable evidence, I I wouldn't have written this book with all the experiences um, that I've mentioned in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the number one question. Like when I, when I talk to people about some of the stuff that we, we chat about on the show and all these different topics. And I mean, the, 
for somebody that's not really interested in it all, that's the seems to be the the go to thing. Like, so what about life after death? What did, you know? Do we live after we die? Like, that's the big question that everybody has. So it's it's quite fascinating that, that what you've done translates to evidence for that because you know you have come across things that you can normally not known about, and it's from other lifetimes, right? It's not just uh, it's not just a psychic power or intuition or um, pre precognition it seems to be from a different um, life right yes i mean i'm sure there will be people listening to your show um, who will doubt what i'm saying but um, i think you have to sort of look at the evidence of of what i've received um, and that's what's convinced me uh, that there is life after death. But perhaps I can tell you a bit more about the sort of verifiable sure, um, yeah. evidence that I received from um, from Mellifully uh, because, oh, going probably a few years into going to these meetings, um, he started to tell me that some very famous people were going to get in touch with me. And I was amazed then when um, Ellie Philly told me that Tennyson was close by and so was Gladstone. Um, now, for your readers who perhaps don't know who Tennyson and uh, Gladstone are, um, Tennyson, of course, is a was a well-known poet. And um, Gladstone was a British prime minister. And, of course, I'd heard of both of these people. Um, and I looked them up on the internet. What I hadn't realized is that they were both well known to each other. Um, they'd been born in the same year, uh, that they were good friends, and that uh, Tennyson had, in fact, accepted a peerage in the House of Lords uh, at Gladstone's request. Uh, and they were very well known to each other. That was one thing where I had verifiable evidence. And then um, Elifley told me uh, about uh, three people, Emmanuel, uh, Josephine and Enrique. Uh, and so I sort of typed those names onto the Internet. And uh, I found that there were three very famous musicians linked together. Um, and I can't even pronounce their names, but they were uh, Emmanuel Chabrier. Clara Schumann and Enrique Granados. Now you're going to ask me, where did the name Josephine come from? Josephine was, in fact, Clara Schumann's middle name, and that's how she was known. Hmm. Um, and then there was another um, time when Ellie Foley told me that I should look for the name of John Bright and that uh, Eliza would be another name that I would find. So I looked on the internet and I found, uh, well, in fact, two names, uh, John Bright. Um, one was a guy who's still living, who's a journalist. And the other was a um, John Bright, who'd been a famous Quaker and a liberal statesman back in the UK. And I was flabbergasted when I discovered that John's bright, John Bright's wife's name was Eliza. Mm. And that was the name that um, I should, that Elifid told me I should look for. So that was more evidence uh, to me uh, that there was something there, that there is another life. Um, uh, and that's really why I've written my book, uh, to give people comfort that there is life after death, that um, not all ends here, that there is a lot to look forward to, and that when we do pass over, we're going to pass to another life where we're going to be greeted by our friends and family uh, with lots of love and kindness. 
So what do your old friends from the corporate world think think of this new path? And, and do you keep in touch with them or, or the skeptical community in general? I mean, we are still living in this paradigm that um, that says this all is, is impossible. And yet, yet there's tons of people like yourself that have all different experiences with precog and channeling and automatic writing and out-of-body experiences and all the different things that show us that something something else is... Is, yes, is and in fact, I mean, I have mentioned it to uh, to quite a few of my friends, and and most of them, I have to say, are skeptical like me. Um, and uh, my mother probably was one of the the biggest skeptics because, as a child, she'd always told me there was no such thing as as life after death. Um, but I think everybody was intrigued by uh, what I was saying. Mm. And uh, they all had open minds and um, they were interested and they wanted to read my story. And I have to say, I well, one friend and then uh, a friend of my mother's who both very sadly lost daughters in their early 20s. And they have both read my book and they've both fed back to me how comforting they found it to read this book because they now know that their children are still there, that in a way they're still alive and uh, and that they could well be meeting up with them when they pass over to the next side. See, I think this is, this is what's helping the paradigm change is people like yourself who, let's say you're, let's say you're a trusted person in your, in, not in your technically your past life, but in your former corporate life and all that. And and then people see your transition and, you know, a certain amount of those people are going to trust what you're saying and open their mind a little bit. I mean, this is part of, I think this is the part of the big change here is people like yourself sharing your experiences now for, uh, for other people to open up a little bit. Yeah. And let me tell you, I, I probably wouldn't have written this book. Um, but then very sadly, Christmas Day, a few years ago, my uh, father was rushed into hospital and diagnosed with um, terminal lung cancer. And uh, he again, uh, in my childhood, had told me there's no such thing as life after death. And we had a lot of conversations about what he was facing. And then he asked me, do you think there is something there after we die? And uh, I knew then that I had to write about my experiences be- so that I could help others understand yeah, that there exactly. is existence beyond the grave. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's that there's nothing to fear from the unknown. Uh, and that's why I've uh, I've written my book. So do you do you do you think you do pass on with these memories and these soul groups of families and things like that? Or is it just like a completely new? new thing when you start back up and and then if so how does i'm wondering just kind of wondering how that works how like does everyone sort of wait on the sidelines how, how like the reincarnation yeah. works like. i i think i think you must pass on with memories because you do have spirits who do communicate back with their loved ones in this life so they must have some sort of memory to be able to do that it's almost like you lose that memory when you get to the physical realm again though in a way unless you unless you know, uh, yes, I don't think you come back with memories. Actually, having said that, I think there are a number of, of young children uh, who have memories. 
uh, which they lose after the ages of about five or seven. Yeah. But there are sparks of memory that come back to them. And they might even mention something to their parents and their parents are bemused because they don't know how they got that information. And it couldn't have come from anywhere else apart from a, a previous life. Yeah, yeah. And there's other ways. And you could probably access it through other forms of altered consciousness and meditation or whatever. I mean, similar to your auto automatic writing. I mean, if you get into that... Um, susceptible state where maybe you can you maybe you can access i have i've had a couple past life regressions and it's been it's been pretty interesting for sure yeah and let me tell you uh, perhaps another part of my book um because having sort of had all this verifiable information from uh Eliphali, um telling me about the previous life i'd led he i'd like to talk about lost souls because I was going to um, ask you about that. I had part, a... part of his thing was <laughs> part part of his uh, original message was you will help souls find their way home, right? Yeah, precisely. And I, I'd found um, my own lost soul, I guess, when I'd found the ruin of where I used to live and guided myself, my son and my dog to the light. And I'd been at one particular circle meeting where there'd been uh, well, well, one of my other fellow circle members had seen an American soldier who he thought um, uh, was a lost soul. And he'd uh, sought guidance as to how he could um, get this guy to to find his way to the light and to pass to the other side. And I'd asked George and Eliphali whether that was something that I might be able to do. And one of the messages that I got from Eliphali was, you will discover more when you go to the east. There is a beach waiting for you. You will know when you have arrived. Hmm. And I didn't really think very much more about that until we went on holiday to Thailand, which, of course, is in the east. And early one morning, we took a walk along a, a beach, quite a remote beach, and it wasn't a particularly attractive beach. And we walked for quite a long time. And then we came across what could only be described as a graveyard, very overgrown, but there were lots of... Um, pegs sticking out of the ground and there were parts of boats scattered all over the place boats and i bones. knew instinctively then that it was an area that had been affected by the tsunami of 2004 oh. and i then had a vision of a, a young woman walking towards me wearing a sarong with a child balanced on her hip and i realized that she was a, a lost soul and i told her to look towards the light and watched her and her son float towards it to join their loved ones on the other side. Wow. And at the same time, I was conscious of a lot of other lost souls pressing around me. Uh, and so I sat down and prayed for these uh, lost souls. And I felt this incredible rush sweeping past me as they too headed for the light. Wow. And that's the most amazing, incredible feeling. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. So like have you a spiritual tour guide? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a whole, I mean, the Monroe Institute has a whole program around that, right? Is uh, that it's like you go to into training for, I think it's a week, uh, maybe like, you know, and you're meditating in these, um, in these chambers with their hemi-sync music. Have you ever heard of the program through, through the Monroe Institute? No, I and it's, a, it's like, it's almost exactly like what you're talking about. They train people to, go to that realm and help help uh, lost souls find their way. And I, I think it's yeah. a soul rescue program or something like that or uh yeah. Can I be a ghostbuster. Yeah, I want to go I want to go and deal with the guys who are causing trouble and <laughs> won't leave and I'll go like round them up. 
<laughs> but this is all very new to me. I mean, I've, I've been learning, obviously, at these uh, circle meetings, and I was there for over four years. But I, I constantly find something uh, new every day. And, and when I look back and I reread my book, there are quite a few of the messages that I'd received from Elifilly. I see something new in the message every time I, uh, I read them. Um, there was one message that I, I looked at not very long, not very long ago, uh, which read, you are going on a long journey into another world, one that you do not understand or know about. Pack a suitcase with your memories, as this will give you the knowledge on your quest. You are going to listen and talk to many people. Do not be afraid, for it is written in time that this is your purpose in life and you are well equipped to handle what is coming your way. Well, that bit about listen and talk to many people. I'm talking to you on the radio. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how incredible is that? It was, you know, something when I was going to those circle meetings, something that never entered my head. A, I never thought I was going to write a book. Um, and on the back of that, I never thought that I'd be giving a radio interview to talk about it. But it's what I, I want to do. I want to get the messages that I receive from Ellie filling out to as wide an audience as possible um, so that I can help other people. Yeah. So what does George and the circle think about your quick progression in the meetings? <laughs> Uh, he's, uh, well, again, uh, gobsmacked, I think, uh, and uh, very, very proud of me. Uh, in fact, he's written an introduction to my book as well, which uh, delighted me. Uh, but he's, as I say, so proud and uh, so pleased that I'm able to be getting all the messages out to, to your audience. Well, to be honest, I have noticed like a lot of messages like yourselves and some of the like let's say Neil Donald Walsh channelings and stuff like that. I mean, they really do seem to be a message that's not very dogmatic and it's not very, you know, know it all. It's just kind of very loving and spiritual, you know, that's, that just says that, um, you know, don't worry. There's, there's a, there's a, a purpose and a meaning and there's uh, something else beyond this physical yeah. world. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about, as you say, love and kindness um, and that's the the message that I'm trying to get across, along with the fact that, as I say, there is life after death, and I'm hoping that that's going to be comforting to people that uh, they know that not all, not everything ends here. That there is a lot to uh, to look forward to. Well, we've got a question from the chats to ask if you know anything about the light archon soul trap. I don't know what that means. I think that they're talking about how when, when you die and you go to the light, that that light is actually, some people are talking about that light actually being a trap as opposed to like, you know, the love and the, the light part of it, that that light is a trap. Well, that's not, as I say, been my, my experience. I've, uh, I've just watched other people or the lost souls going to the light uh, where I know that they're going to be received with love and kindness. What about, what about a religious or a hierarchical structure uh, in the afterlife? Has, has he mentioned anything about that? Like, has any, has there any been any connotations as far as any of the religions go or, or also like whether, the, whether there is a hierarchy? Uh, well, I don't think this is about religion. Um, I think spiritualism is about facts, hard facts. 
uh, and that's what I'm seeking to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that regardless of religion or whatever you believe, that we will all pass to the same place on the other side. Mm-hmm. So um, what are, what's your plan in the next, uh, next little while then? Are you well, going to continue to... on with another book or yeah, anything like oh, that? Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, I've already started. I've um, still been talking to Ellie Philly. I've still been receiving messages. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, uh, well, experiencing even more things and uh, and being able to write about them. And so, yeah, I'm definitely going to write another book. <coughs> nice. How do you spell that? Ella Philly? Oh, E L. E P H A double L Y. I wonder where that's from. That that name. I think it's like uh, I don't know. If you if you look on the internet, actually, it's uh, closely associated with the word elephant. Um, so an ele- an elephant means big things. So maybe this book is going to achieve big things. I don't know. Hopefully. How's, yeah, been, how's, how's, how's the response been so far? Well, hopefully uh, people are going to go, go out and buy my book. Yeah, um, sadly, I haven't had any feedback yet as to how many people have bought it, but it's only just been uh, uh, launched. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm waiting with uh, trepidation, I guess, to find out whether it sells. Right on. Well, yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as, as well in the, in the show. And Darren, do you have Great, any other questions you. at all or? Ah, uh, no, Maybe. I think, uh, I think I've probably told you all that I wanted to. I just think of things afterwards, but oh, it's always, been really yeah. great being able to share all this with you today. Do you have a website or anything like that? Uh, yes, I do. It's, uh, www.susanstarkeyauthor.com. Uh, and the Starkey is spelled S-T-A-R-K-E-Y. So that's, uh, www.susanstarkeyauthor.com. Right on. Do you ever notice any sort of a trickster elephant, uh, <laughs> trickster <laughs> element to Elifeli? <laughs> Actually, that's a, that's a good question. Like, how do you trust that it's Elifeli talking, communicating to you, you know? Do you have like a test or a thing that, that makes you know it's, it's him or her and not, uh, you a know, trickster? some other entity No, I don't, in? but he always seems to write in the same sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I need to uh, to ask him next time I, I speak to him, uh, give him a trick question and see what he replies. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, not to get dark or anything like that, but there is, a, you know, there is that risk that when, when you're opening yourself up or channeling and all that, that, uh, you know, that you're leaving some some uh, opening there for other other tricksters or other types of entities or whatever. So. Yes, I do understand that. And in fact, uh, I always open my uh, chakras uh, and ask that uh, I'm protected by all that is not light and good. Um, I'm, I'm very conscious of that, but I've, I've never had any, any bad experiences. Yeah, so there, there, there you go. I mean, that helps right there. And we, that's part of the process that I was kind of wondering about earlier is like what the protocols are that, that you follow, you know, protecting yourself, opening up your chakras, getting into that relaxed state and then... Ever, and then that closing inten- my chakras yeah, at the end. Yeah, I think that that intention really, I think that it protects you. I do believe that. Yeah. Especially we had this last, con- we had this mind-blowing conversation with a guy who travels the astral realm. And it was so interesting and, and it wasn't dogmatic at all. And it sounded like he really just 
he kind of knew what was going on, but it wasn't in a, it wasn't in like an you know in a know it all kind of way. And um, it's all about intention and all about like the protection that you talked about and all about you know it's not really about good and evil, but about just pure intention and like different levels of energy and and that kind of thing. So that makes sense to me. Good. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on, Susan. Do you have any questions there? No, I think that's good. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Thanks. And we'll link to everything in the show notes and we'll let you know when it comes out and um, keep in touch when your next book comes out. Great. Well, thanks very much for talking to me today. You're welcome. All right. Take care, Susan. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks very much. Goodbye. That was a chat with Susan Starkey on this snowy Sunday morning. Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. Yeah. I, think I like the that fire by fire. Actually, the, the connection was really good. We just got to switch the podcast to Sundays. Is that what it is? You think instead of an evening like thing? Selfie. So yeah, I mean, I like the verifiable as evidence thing. I mean, what, imagine if you uh, you know you you got that map and you look on it and you see all those things that uh, you're told. I just can't envision myself ever automatic writing something like it would be really hard for me to get into that. that you mode. should try. Oh. Maybe that's what my doodling is. No, Maybe there's yeah. a hidden message in my doodles. <laughs> no, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. The whole drawn to Spain thing is interesting. Yeah. I feel a little drawn to Spain. Really? Mind you, she said it was going to snow there too. I'm drawn to any place but this motherfucker right now. I'm pretty <laughs> fucking sick of winter. Yeah. Sick and fucking And the other day it was so cold. Like I normally, the, the cold doesn't bother me that much, but it was that wind chill that, you know, the feels like cold that was really bothering me ground comes around to the fields like it was in april it felt like it was colder than the coldest days in january and february bingo bango so i wondered about that rh negative blood type in spain um isn't that where they uh i was asking about that before we started recording wasn't there a, a an area in spain with a culture that has a really unproportionate percentage of rh negative blood I don't know. I was thinking, I remember, I think there's a song about Spain and something. I thought you were going to break into a song. <laughs> no? Hey, Google. The Basque. The Basque. Hey, the Google, Basque where's the place in Spain with all the R.A.? It's the Basque region. The Basque region of yeah. Spain? Yeah. B-A-S-Q-U-E-S. What's that mean? Ant- antediluvian civilizations and R.H. negative blood. Antediluvian? Yeah. They're against floods. Maybe that's why I thought Andalusia, Antediluvian, kind of the same. They're against floods. They're against floods, or they just survive the floods. What are you doing? You playing music? Hey Google, where's the Basques? Sorry, I don't know how to help with this. This is the biggest piece of shit ever. I can't even believe it. Google, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. (sighs) Oh, that's terrible. I think you have to sign up to Amazon Prime. It's not Amazon, it's Google. Well, some people are saying that the no, Basque didn't. some people are saying that the Basque myth, the Basques share with the with the Celts the privilege of indulging in an unrivaled extravagance. You know what I was thinking it was? It's the rain in Spain falls mostly in the plains. Who are the Basques? The Basques have no written records. They're hardly they're just a myth, they say. They're a myth. It's like the Australian tribe, the original people or whatever that were found in Australia. The original, the abos, the original aborigines. Whoa, bro. That's fucking... Is that what? God, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Back to the hate speech. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's derogatory. Is it? I think so, yeah. I'm not going to say it.
Maybe Sorry, not. Aussies. Yeah. Oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Superstar. Yeah, anyways, um, that was a fun. That was a fun show. That yeah, was good. that was a good Sunday chat. Yep. Um. Yeah, support the show, guys. If you can, go to america.ca slash support. And that uh, keeps us having these chats. This one's a little shorter than usual. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we remembered it. It'll be a longer intro to make up for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Check out the support page. Check out the show notes. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that we would appreciate it if you guys could do. Review the show. Share the show. A bunch of other stuff. I don't know. There's a list. Of the well, show plus notes. you got to sign up to YouTube to get an... Uh, Oh, there's a yeah, notification think, of the live chat. So big thanks to people that just join us at the last second for live chats. Usually we're going to record on Wednesday nights. That's what yeah, we're trying we're to do. Switching back to so Wednesdays. Wednesday evenings, but then every once in a while, when you get somebody across the pond or whatever, we have to do it on a Sunday or early, early morning on a Friday, or there's a bunch of different things that we have to do to, to Ooh, reach yeah, out this to Wednesday stream might world, be better so. because we got the new internet getting hooked up tomorrow. So yeah, the, Wednesday Another evenings bell. is going to be sort of the thing and at the different times. Usually it'll be, we're shooting for like 7.30 and 10 o'clock Eastern start times. That's right. In there. I mean, you should just plan from like, uh, plan from like, if you plan from like five, seven o'clock Eastern on, you're good. That's usually when we'll get in here and the shit show will start. Yeah. And there'll be but, some and breaks And then, you know, we'll be late and we'll be, you know, we'll send you notes and we'll be late and then we'll have the, we'll the always, almost for the always start. be late. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we could. I wonder if we should. We could figure out a way to queue up some sort of like little fucking thing that Brody could easily play a little like uh, highlight clip or some jingles or just something so that people know we're coming. We haven't just lied. We always show up. Sometimes up to an hour late, but we'll always be there. So yeah, sign up for all that stuff and you get known. Hopefully, the stream will work as well on Wednesday as it did today because we are getting a new internet connection in here. So we'll be running dual 150s. Nice, really, eh? That's yeah. good. So hopefully that'll help out. Um, yeah. So there you go, guys. Uh, subscribe, like on YouTube if you want to get those updates when we do that live thing. Of course, we do it on Spreaker as well. If you're... if yeah, A bell. There's a bell. If you go on in Spreaker, if you're mobile and you don't want to be on the YouTube, there's a Spreaker, gramerica.ca slash Spreaker, which we signed back up for begrudgingly. What's the bell? That's a note. Then you get a oh, you hit the bell again. Okay. Go live, okay, yeah. Good. yeah, but so if you go to the speaker, that's the audio only, which is a lot easier to handle a stream if you're out driving yeah. on a boat or yeah. No do to boot it. All right. I think that's about it, guys. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Ciao. Baby, you're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby. You're just a drop in the bucket, baby. You're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby.
I drop down on my bended knee and howl at the moon. Oh, and I drop down on my bended knee, pinching pennies. La da da da. out the scenery rambling from here and there and back and forth between here and there and back and forth between here and there and to the corner store the sunrise corner store the sunrise corner store the sunrise corner store and pennies La da 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 Talk to be my best friend. There's a 